Hey guys, this is Brian from A Hero's Journey Podcast. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, SP Inc., JPS Computers, and Red Rock Harley Davidson. Chase, I was a guest on Gridability with Adam Clausen, and the episode went so well. Uh, if you caught last week's, it was part one. Um, we're, we're running part two right now. Uh, to the Rock Rage Radio listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, here's the thing. Uh, we, we get into kind of how the entertainment world, how I landed in Las Vegas, what happened, all that good stuff in, in part two and, um, how Nicole became the love of my life, which is crazy. But, uh, Adam is a great host. We had so much fun. We had to do a special edition episode of Gridability and a Hero's Journey podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this part. Uh, part two, coming at you now. Would you say this? Because um, I feel like a lot of successful people that find that, that are willing to put in the work, you know, we talked about going through doing difficult things. Mm -hmm. Most people, first sign of adversity, they tap, that's it, I'm mm -hmm. done, I don't want to do this. The way that you talked about living in the car for three months, like, mm -hmm. eh, yeah, like to just brush that off means that from an early age, like you got comfortable doing the difficult things, putting in the work yeah. time after time. So that just became normal for you. That's not normal for most people. But the question is this, like when it comes to addictions, most people have certain compulsions, right? Right. Those tendencies to do those things. I notice, and I'm going to speak for myself, having that in my background, knowing that there's some family history there, my family won't acknowledge it. Right. Mm -hmm. They all have it manifests itself in a, such a wide variety of ways. Food, alcohol, drugs, mm -hmm. even sex addiction. Like and everyone's like, there's nothing wrong here. I'm like, I can tell you there's something wrong because I've had these compulsions from an early age. When I got involved in drugs and alcohol, I went as far as I could with it. When I was able to get sober, be removed from that. I took that same level of intensity and energy and focused on what I really wanted. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you were able to find that early on. Would you relate that? Oh yeah. You know, and the thing is, I, cause I did recognize that those were the things I recognize that I am somebody here that I would go out of my way for strangers and, and help somebody. But I know I have a temper. I know that if, if you disrespected me, my friends, my family, my sticky paws crew, whatever, I'll be the first one to put you in your place. That's who I am. And I know that at alcohol, I'm probably going to jail. Mm -hmm. And I know that. And I know that because I've had blackout moments in, in without, without that. I've had a blackout, you know, several moments where I don't remember putting a guy through the doorway. I was 
you know, in these situations mm -hmm. where I didn't go look for it. It came at me because I am okay with being different and different doesn't fit the mold in most situations. My buddies are at asking me on a way to a bar. You know, my brothers want to teach me how to play darts. How come you guys have so many stories? And I'm like, it's not that. It's like it finds us. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, right. And they witnessed it happening. And I'm playing darts. And they even offered to buy the guys drinks that are calling me Geronimo and all this stuff. You know, at the, and then when they finally stepped in my face, it was done. My brother and I are like, we better go before the cops get here. And the bar owner is going, no. You come back in. You're good. They're 86th. Um, I, I watched this whole thing go down. We offered to buy him drinks and, you know, just to defuse this situation. And I know that add alcohol into that situation. And I probably wouldn't have put up with the first disrespect. You know what I'm saying? So I knew this as a kid and I knew this, I saw that in, in uncles and, and aunts. And my grandmother died of cirrhosis of the liver at mm. when I was eight and she was in her 40s. My uncle died of it. My dad's brother, the one that played guitar. Sarosa, he had a bag. Colossity bag. bag. Yeah. Carrying it. Yep. Okay? Then his two mm. sisters died of it as well. We're Native American Indian. And it runs in our family. Firewater. So these kinds of things. I'm like, no. So I'm going to take that. And I know I have an addictive personality. Somebody who can, you know... Um, it, it's just why I put myself in those situations. Well, it sounds like you've been able to take that, those personality yep. traits and find a way to channel those and use them to your benefit. Cause every time that you had to pivot, what I'm hearing is you had to put in more work, more work. Yeah. I'm doing it now coming out of the pandemic. I made a band called Elvis Monroe yep. and I, you know, I looked out and, and met, one of my um, favorite, and he's my best friend, but he was in my favorite band at the time. And he left that band to do this project with me. And he was in Lifehouse at the time. And um, before that, he was in a band called Savage Garden. Okay, um, yeah. Okay, but Lifehouse, huge band, and huge at the time even. And so, you know, we've, we've tackled so many things. We were so much momentum. And then the world shuts down. And it, it just, in the entertainment world, it took, it's still climbing out of it. It's not the same. Um, only the big, na big names, you know, are getting the work. And these smaller places are struggling because places don't exist. They didn't last. And there's venues that are all gone. And um, so we're, we're coming out of it. And um, it's a pivot again. But that's okay. Like, it came out of it putting out new music, writing new music. Um, I, I got this place, Sticky Paw Studios. You and I are both the same. John talks about us in a way that I'm like, I looked at you, I'm like, he doesn't have a halo. Like, the way, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> that's how he talks about you, which is incredible. And I love that. And I'm just teasing about the halo yeah. thing. But um, it's, you know, this is an extension of myself that I didn't know that I had. And to sit down and hear stories from other people to hopefully inspire somebody who's on the other end who needs to hear it. 
and needs to know that they can connect with somebody like you and I, that they see a little bit of themselves in. They're looking in a mirror when they hear these stories, when they were seeing it coming from us and that they can relate and know that, that it's possible to do this and possible to tackle that and that you can go after the thing that everybody says can't be done. Um, and the thing is, it's, it's about the journey. It's not, it's about the journey. It's, there is no destination. It's just destinations along the journey. And it's enjoying those things and, and knowing that we get today, you and I get to sit down. We've been talking about this for a couple of months now, and we're finally sitting down and talking and to know that this is just, this is just part of it, you know, cause you have to sit in my seat and I got to hear your story. You know what I'm saying? So, well, I would, I would definitely love to do that. The journey you're talking about hero's journey. Yeah amazing podcast thanks man you're doing amazing things i appreciate you coming in and spending the time with with me today and sharing all of that background because i'm a guy that likes to i like to look at those models of success and i see everything i see who you are right. thank you today and i'm i just needed to know the background yeah i'm grateful that we got a chance to do it right here because i know a lot of people are going to benefit from that i appreciate it man thank you thank you um are we running long? Okay. Are we okay? Because yeah. um, I know that what, what John, you know, what I was saving was hoping that, you know, the three of us would sit down and talk because um, what most people don't know about Nicole, you met my girl. Yes. And being a musician, um, our story is like a movie, she and I. It's, it's insane. Um, you know, I, I told you, I grew up in Oregon and I was, uh, I'm in Oregon and I'm on tour with Daughtry and a buddy of ours, Brett Young is out with Lady A and he wants to meet up at this little bar uh, where he used to do karaoke. He's like, meet me in the middle. And, um, and we had a night off. So, you know, we're heading that way anyway. And we take the bus and park it in the parking lot and we end up doing karaoke and I end up, uh, watching witnessing this and i i say karaoke i don't do karaoke and neither does he <laughs> he just played to you know nineteen thousand people and yeah. we just played to five and we don't need to stand there and do karaoke i don't do it anyway and um so he's like let's just have fun and do some ice ice baby some garth brooks whatever tupac all this stuff i barely i didn't know any of right yeah. and it was just fun and the manager made everybody put their phones away and and when it was over, I witnessed a conversation between he and his girlfriend. And, um, and actually, it was, uh, it was his brother-in-law walks up to his girl and says, hey, do a shot with me. You're, you're like family. You're his someday, right? And she literally looks at Brett and says, Brett, am I your someday? And he goes, hold on, Brian. He goes, what? And she goes, am I your someday? And he goes, of course you are. And I put that conversation in my phone. Cause that's what I do. Like I write about real things and real stuff that that's my vocal diary. That's how I deal with stuff. That's how I emote. That's how uh, it's my music is honest. Right. And that's, I just, that's what it's about for me. And so I witnessed this conversation and he catches me and he goes, no, no, no. One day, someday, 
that there's the title now go write it and now we have our first co-write and i was okay with that because the guy had the current number one at country radio so i'm like all right so a couple of days later um on the bus i come up with this song called one day someday and he's playing at route 91 and so we come back into town and we're going to meet up with him ben went to go play guitar for him and help him out and uh i bring the demo of the song one day someday which is about this girl who i'm going to look up from my boots in a room one day and she's going to turn my life upside down i'm going to know i'm going to do everything i can to get her attention from the stage i'm going to do you know and she's going to just be full of life and singing and dancing and whatever and and i know that she's my one day someday and so i bring this song to them and he plays on saturday and i don't i'm like okay well i don't need to go sunday but on saturday this girl walks up to me and says hey are you in that band elvis monroe and i was like yeah and she goes can i get a picture i'm like sure she goes i took a picture with you this past summer in may and uh i'm like i remember you and i did i remembered taking this photo with her and she shows me the photo and she goes let's take another one so i did and then uh 22,000 people there and I'm coming from backstage and I look to see and there she is again and she I, she sees me she's looking at her and I'm like dang she busted me so <laughs> uh the the what she calls me over is what she did and she goes hey um our picture is blurry and I'm like here let's take it on mine I take the picture and I'm like what's your number I'll send it to you right yep. so the next day i wasn't going to route 91 and i just text are you are you going to the show and she's like yeah i'll be there that was it that's 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 it that was it um and i happened to be watching a band uh uh kane brown and i'm standing there and she walks up next to me and she's like hey and i'm like who's your friend she's like this is nicole and i'm like oh my echoes to Nicole's, Nicole and Nicole. And so that, um, that night I told her, I'll be back in this area during Jason Aldean, but you know, I'm going to grab Ben. And so, you know, this is just somebody just in passing, you know? And so Ben and I are backstage hanging out, talking with everyone. And, uh, I told the owner of the concert, um, we toasted water. You know, Ben and I had water and toasted a great event. Jason Aldean's going on. We turned to Brittany, his wife, and we're like, we're going to go fanboy out. We're going to go in the front and watch. We don't want to be back here watching this, you know. No one knows that it's not that cool backstage. Like, you know, behind it all. But everyone wants back there. You know, everyone's just hanging out, just, you know, having a good time. And so we make our way out front and to the left. And I don't know how many songs into it, but I walk up and there's Nicole and Nicole and they're there. And I'm like, Hey, it's my echoes. And the you know, show goes on and, and I don't know them. They're just standing in front of me and Ben's standing next to me. And then we hear what sounds like firecrackers. It's doing this thing. And I'm like looking up at the speakers, looking around. Um, what's crazy though is we're walking out, and we were taking pictures with fans. And when we get out front, this guy's yelling, Elvis, Elvis, can I get a picture? And I was like, sure. 
And Ben asked if he could put his hat on. And we take this photo and Ben puts on his black cowboy hat. And he's like, we saw you with Jake Owen uh, in Alaska. I'm like, oh, they're Alaskan. Oh, cool. Take a picture with them. They walk about 15 feet directly behind us. And um, so, but all this craziness starts to go on. And people are rustling. And then all of a sudden I see two people just go down right in front of us. And I look over my shoulder and they're is a girl going right over the top of another person. And Ben grabs my arm and he says, run. And so I turn and I run like two, three steps. And I look back and the two girls standing in front of me are frozen. And now there's thousands of people just running this direction. And it's all, to me, I can talk about this like this because it feels like a movie scene and I didn't live it because mm. I can talk about it like this. It's the weirdest thing. She, Nicole can't talk about it. Nicole, it's she can't deal. So yeah. I had stopped, reached out, grabbed her hand and said, stay with me. I'll get you out. And what we didn't know was the music had stopped and you're hearing, right? And you, and Ben had got hit in the arm and the kid that I took a photo with, I didn't know this till later, but he was shot and killed instantly. Mm. And, um, so I, I, it, no joke being an athlete and, and, uh, it was like, and I said this a hundreds of times, it was like the game slowed down. The moment I had purpose, the moment I went, I'll get you out, stay with me. They locked in. They, our hands didn't get pulled apart. There were thousands of people running, and no one ran through us, yet they were running over the top of everybody. Everyone, you look, and people are running over the top of people on the ground, knocking people down, running through them. But you can't fault them because they're scared. People are scared, right? Sure. But it, everything slowed down for me. So I, I, they're going this way which when I turned, Ben was gone and he was on the ground. Apparently he'd been knocked down. And then when he got up, I was gone. So he went with the crowd and I went the opposite way. I went the way we came out. We came from backstage and I look and there's no security guard there. They had left and I'm weaving through and I get to the doorway and I stopped him and I cleared the corner to make sure that we weren't running into gunfire or whatever. And then I said, go. And we start running. Now, this is a fence. Here's 22,000 people on that side. And here's hundreds on this side. So I just took us on this side of the fence. And you can, here's a stage. And you can hear it hitting the stage. You can hear it splatting on the, on the pavement, tinging off the staging, thousands of people screaming. It was chaotic and I'm running in boots and I'm having like this out of body experience looking down and I keep telling them, stay with me, stay with me. Look at me, look at me. I'm going to get you out. And we're running and I come up around a corner cause I'm taking us to the artist's entrance. That's where I think is in the back corner. But I, what I didn't know is I came around the corner, the fence line started to bow back. So now I have to run back towards, where all this feels like it's coming from. Yep. 
And so we hit that corner and you hear just people screaming. And what I didn't know was people were following me. So not only, they stayed with me. Whatever I was doing, they were doing. Mm. And, and I didn't know this. I just, my focus was the, the two. And then I see the fence and it's about as tall as these walls. And I know that I could hit that fence and get over, but I don't know about if I can. About 15 feet. Yeah. I don't know if okay. I can get them over. And somebody yells, get in here. And they open up a back of a truck, right? And, and there's a ramp, you know, that goes into a truck, you know, like when you're loading a U-Haul truck sure. or something. And there's a ramp. So I start lifting, I lift the two girls in, and I just start lifting people into this truck. And you're hearing gunfire, screaming. Um, I, there was a couple who said they followed me, and instead of me lifting him in, they hid behind the tire so that way they could see what was coming. And I didn't know. I, I get inside and I see a familiar face. I see somebody I know. And I look at him and I'm like, we're going to be okay. And he's like, I'm not going to be okay. And I'm like, we're going to be okay. And there's a guy screaming bloody murdy and he's pounding on the walls. And he's like a, he's blacked out drunk. Mm. So, and he's screaming ISIS this and all these things. And I'm, trying to calm him down and his girlfriend is crying and screaming and the other nicole yorba looks at her and said what's your what's your name how old are you where are you from she's asking her questions to get her to be quiet and calm down mm -hmm. and 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 nicole rafino is just sitting there looking at me like what are we doing and i'm standing and i go to the door and i open the door and you hear gunfire so I shut it and everybody starts to panic. And I'm like, everybody stay down. Everybody be quiet. And I go to grab my phone and I go to make a video for my parents. And I'm 10 seconds into this and the guy throws rock fingers in my video. So I'm like, fuck this. And I throw my phone. I'm not dying in here. And I put my phone in my pocket and I grab him. And I said, is that your girlfriend? And he said, yes. And I said, do you think it's fair that these two girls are taking care of, or this girl is taking care of your girlfriend? And she jumps up and she goes, hey, asshole, take care of your girlfriend. And I'm like, everybody just stay down. And, and they're like, pulled me down. Because I'm standing. I'm telling everybody to stay down. And I'm like, you know, and, and, and just like, I don't want to die in here. Because it, it just, that's the way it felt. And so I go to the door. Someone had already started to open the door. And there was a break in the fire. And somebody had taken the ramp that was on the back of the truck and put it on the fence. And right when the door opened, the one guy hits the, hits the thing and goes over. And I'm like, I jump out. And I said, we, somebody's got to stand on the other side and catch the women. And uh, I start, I lift that my friend out, this guy I knew, and his girl, and they were gone. And then I just started lifting people out. And, and I, I grabbed Nicole and Nicole first. They followed me. And when I turned, I'm lifting people out of the truck. They're putting people over the wall. So they're right there. And they had this bigger girl putting her over the wall together. And I go and I push her, get over. And somebody, and I, I, I picture him like he was a tall Asian guy. He stood there for a little bit holding people, and then he took off, which mm. it's okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. he stood there helping, uh, helping people already. 
this was my choice that this, this was going on. And, and it was methodical. It was weird. It was the weirdest thing. Like I was moving through it thinking I'm going to keep them calm. I know what I saw in the video. I'm like trying not to panic my parents. This is what it could be. This is what, you know, whatever. And I'm going to tell them this is where I'm at. And I turned it off. What I didn't know is my phone started to record again in my pocket and it can hear all this chaos. And so when I, I, I remember hearing the girl scream, I can't go, the screaming girl, I can't get over the wall, I broke my back, I just had surgery. And her boyfriend's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'll go first, I'll catch you. And then I remember later, I didn't lift them over. And I said, what happened? And when, here's what happened, it was, I'm trying to get Nicole uh, Rafino over, she slides back two times. I'm like, this is not happening. I grab her by the waist. I grab Nicole's, uh, the uh, Yorba's hand, and I start to run to the right, and I hear a police officer or a voice yell, this way, this way, run towards Hooters. And he runs towards gunfire. And it, I caught it on my phone, but nobody else remembers him. I hear, I'm like, do you remember? No one remembers. They just were so focused on what I told them we're going to do. So I'm like, okay, we're going this way. And we start to go. And here's where I have nightmares about this randomly because I ran past people on the ground and I don't know their condition. I don't know what condition they were in as I'm running. But my focus was I made you a promise. I made Nicole and Nicole a promise. I'm going to get you out. And I can't, I'm holding them and look at me and they stop. Rafino stops crying and starts to call her dad, stops running. And I'm like, we have to keep moving. Let's go. Let's go. And we're running past people on the ground. Then we get to the opening of a gate and the gate had been pushed down. And there was a guy with no shirt on. He'd been shot in the sternum and he was gone. But his buddy is crying on top of him, trying to breathe life into him. And they, Rafino was like, now in pure panic mode and Yorba's trying to calm her down. She grabs the phone. There's been an incident. Meet us at Hooters, hangs up the phone. And I said, run into, run into the dark. And what I didn't know was the couple, they were holding Yorba's hand in each other's hand. And there was an older lady holding their hand. Mm -hmm. And I led them out by foot. The, the older lady took off to the right and the couple took off to the left. And I told them to run into the dark because in my head, why is he going to, why are they going to go after a few of us when and everyone's going in the same direction? So, um, and we get across the street and they don't remember this. There's a car parked in the middle of the street and there's a guy shot in the passenger seat and there's about seven or eight people hiding behind it. And that guy was clearly gone in the passenger seat. Yet there were people hiding, you know, hiding behind the car looking up. And I ran them across a, uh, the parking lot until I saw uh, an iron fence. And I'm like, I can't, and there's no way I can get them over this iron fence. And two guys run up and they pull it back and I crawled through, pulled it back. And now all these people started to follow us. And then I got them to Hooters. And um, we get to Hooters, get inside. And now because of what I do and, and, and that kind of thing, it's like a familiar face. 
people start running to me and they're like covered in blood and mud and running towards me for help. And so I gather all these people and I'm like, okay, around a machine. And I said, okay, who has phones and who knows phone numbers? Like, cause it's an all day festival. People's phones are dead. It's, you know, the, people don't have their phones. Mm -hmm. People are separated from people. There's a girl running up to me crying, going, Brian, can't find my sister. And I'm like, just stay with me. Do you know her number? Let's, here's my phone. Here's, you know, call, you know, so we're doing this. And all of a sudden somebody yells, there's a, there's a gunman or whatever it was. And then hundreds of people in the Hooters casino floor start running towards us. And I'm like, okay, this way. And I pull everyone down a hallway through a doorway that says staff only. And it's a kitchen. And I stick them by the back door and hide them by the back door. And there's an off-duty police officer who's, he's drunk. But he's like, I'm a police officer. He was at the concert. He goes, I got this door. You get the back door. So I'm hanging by the back door. And I have them quiet until it was cleared. And then as soon as it was cleared, um, her, uh, Nicole's, uh, Rafino's parents showed up like be from that call. They raced there. He's ex CSI and he got his ass there. Wow. They said, can we take you? I said, no, there's people that are counting on me. I don't know them. I knew one person, but I, I got to get them out of here. And so he took his daughter and, and Nicole Yorba and they left. And I went back to this group and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Cause they're saying, you know, there's a bombing over here. There's all this chaos in all the casinos. And, um, I had said, look, I'm going to, I'm going to walk towards a parallel with the, um, the, uh, airport. It's dark. It's pitch dark. The airport is dark. The roads are dark. It's all blacked out. And I said, we're going to walk until we get to a point and we'll have somebody pick us up. So we walked about two miles along the airport line holding hands. And there's about 13 of us and um, all strangers, you know, and I'm walking them and I get them to a uh, grocery store parking lot and somebody pulls in with a truck and everyone loads in and I'm dead silent. Like take us to a house, um, Ben had, got separated from me he was running and he said he was weaving running he even called me when I was inside and I'm like run I'm okay just I'll get out just run and I hung up I was like I love you and I hung up and so he calls me he goes are you okay I said yeah my phone is almost dead he goes go live on Facebook and let everybody know we're okay because that's the only way anyone's gonna know and so I go live and I guess that live version, I looked white as a ghost. I'm like almost going to cry because now I'm hearing on the news what's going on here on the TV. There's all these people. One of the guys that I walked got in an Uber and went to the hospital because his best friend was shot. His girlfriend calls him. He was separated. And so he took off. And then I get home to my house. Uh, someone um, gave me a ride. And my parents, I, I had my parents live with me seven, eight months out of the year because I'm at the point where at that time, you know, you take for granted that your parents are going to be around forever. And I'm like, 
No, come walk red carpets with me. Come do these things that I've earned. Come, come to these shows, you know, come be on stage in front of thousands of people playing the spoons. Come share this with me because it, it doesn't mean anything unless we can do it together. So I have my parents with me and my dad comes walking out. My home phone's ringing, which I forgot I even had. My phone's ringing, my mom's phone's ringing. And it's all these news people from all over the world, CNN, Fox, HBO, it's all these people. And CNN had called, I'm talking to them. They asked me if I had a video. I said, I have like a 12 second video. It looks like I'll send it to you. I'm telling my dad, who's a Marine, sitting across from me, and it's this, I remember this because it's so surreal. There's my video and my voice is on CNN. I'm not paying attention to it. My dad's not paying attention to it, but it's happening here. The phones are ringing and my dad asked me, what happened? I'm trying to explain it to him. When I get done, he goes, were you scared? And I'm like, no. And I wasn't scared until right then. At that moment, I realized I'm not Captain America. Like, I had a Captain America shirt on. But who, who do I think I was? Because I was moving methodically and I wasn't scared. Until that moment, I started crying and I started shaking because I could be one of these people that, you know, my parents could be dealing with another side of this right now. And that's how, and then it just like, it was, it was crazy. So dealing with, with that, like that's, I didn't go to bed. That concert was in the daytime. I didn't go to bed till Tuesday because at my doorstep was channel seven LA, then HBO, CNN, uh, every news state, they were fighting to who got there first. And then they started taking me to places. I didn't go to bed until my last interview with Ellen's producers at seven o'clock on Tuesday. And on that Tuesday, they had put Nicole and I together for the first time, which we thought was stupid. Somebody saw me doing an interview. And this was weird because I, on like the first 24 hours going into it, I'm uh, walking through, I needed some water. And this big guy gets up from a blackjack table and goes, hey, you're the guy from TV. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you did good. And he goes to shake my hand. And I start crying. And I go to give him a hug. And he, I'm like, I'm sorry. And he goes, no, don't be sorry. Don't. And, and I'm like whew, trying to gather myself, feeling embarrassed, whatever. And he's like, you're fine. I walk outside and this, this Indian lady with a cane sees me. And she goes, hey, you're the guy from TV. I'm proud of you. And I started crying and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, and I ran across the street and news crews are following me across the street. And I'm trying to get to, you know, uh, to just out of there. I needed, I promised certain people I would do their things. And I was trying to get everybody to do it at the same time, but they wouldn't. And, um, so it's, it was taking its toll, but talking about it was sure. helping. It was helping me you know, talking about it. Cause it kept saying it's positive. What you did was positive. People need to hear this. It's all scary. It's awful. They need to hear this story. 
So I'm like, okay, okay. And then what the one time one guy on the radio, I remember this, he was Mac on the radio, iHeartRadio. Uh, and he asked me, are you doing okay? And phew, couldn't talk, was crying. No one had asked me that in, in days. And cause it was just one after the other. Mm. And uh, so, you know, flash forward, I, I, they put Nicole and I together, which I thought was stupid at this French television uh, crew asked me if uh, if I wanted water and food and I can go sit in their car and hide from everyone. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I get a text and it's Nicole. And uh, I'm like, hey, whatever happened to that couple? And I'm, she says, I don't know, ask, well, I'll ask Yorba and they told me. So I did get them out because it bothered me that I didn't get somebody out it, that was eating me up. And then mm. they told me that I did. And then uh, it, was, it was the wildest thing because that crew heard me. They're like, is that one of your echoes? I'm like, yeah. They're like, can we go meet her? Have you guys seen each other since the shooting? And I said, no. We how, thought, many, how many days later is it? This is Tuesday at about 5 o'clock. Okay. And so we go over. So it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Sunday it happens. So Tuesday we roll over and we thought it was, I thought it was silly. And then all of a sudden she comes walking up and both of us are in tears and I'm holding her hand like I knew her. And I'm talking with them and CNN is shooting over the shoulder, stealing it as well. And, um, meaning like grabbing it as well. And, um, because she only did like one interview. They discovered her from the video. They found her. I didn't know her name. I didn't know. I only knew her name was Nicole. And so it's news people and they, they were able to find her at home. And um, she's not somebody who, you know, is used to this kind sure. of thing. So this is how we dealt with it. The days went on and, and she and I, I was there for her and she was there for me. And, um, and over time... Uh, we even went to like this, like uh, on the 5th, 5th of October, I played a show because I needed to be back on stage and they were doing a fundraiser at Red Rock and Brian Lindsay, George, you know who Brian is. Oh, Brian puts, guy. Brian put on this show with Ben Otherwise and um, I can't remember the other band um, who's blown up since they were the opening band and now they're, they're huge. Um, and I played this, I wrote this song and I rewrote it called the fight and i wrote it for the city and it's like an anthem and so i got to meet nicole's parents proper and um they came to the show and i pulled nicole on stage and my mom stood there looking at this moment and went there's something more to this moment right now because you're grabbing her hand is like normal and i'm like yeah i grabbed her hand during the chaos and I'm singing this song and I'm singing it to her and there's lyrics to her in the song. And it's on Inside Edition the next day and all these TV shows. And then on the sick, that night, actually, my mom, I have to call 911 because my mom had an anxiety attack. She thought she had a heart attack, but it was anxiety from everyone coming up to her going, your son, your son, what happened, wow. all this stuff. So I'm calling 911. I'm sitting next to my mom in the hospital room and then I have to go to LA to do a show, a fundraiser in California. And so my mom is okay. I put her back, get her back home. 
and my dad was in Oregon working for my, helping my brother on something. And I'm driving to LA and, and uh, DJ Silver, who is Jason Aldean's best friend, and he was the act on right before Jason, calls and says, hey, I'm trying to find Brian um, to Ben. And Ben goes, he's sitting next to me asleep. Because I've been up all night with my mom in the hospital. Okay, and uh, I literally uh, hear his voice and he said, my mother-in-law wants to talk to you. And I went, okay. And he gets his mother-in-law on and she said, I followed you. You put me in the refrigerator and then you led me out by foot. And I, and I start crying and she's crying. And he's like, you saved my mother-in-law. Thank you. And, um, and he was there, but he was hidden in, in a whole nother, you know, under, under a bus or something. And, um, so I get to the show and I'm like, oh, there's news, news truck there. And I'm thinking, oh man, I'm not ready to do this. Like I'm dealing with my mom, dealing with, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, they, the news crew, um, was interviewing these three girls and I'm like, okay, we're good. Two of those girls come running up to me and they're in tears and they tell me what I did for them. And that Nicole and Nicole put them over the wall while I would, I led them into the, the truck and lifted them in and then was keeping them calm and then was getting people out and they put Nicole and Nicole helped them over the wall. And so people started coming out of, you know, out of this stuff. And so through this, Nicole and I learned to, you know, deal with this gritability of like what we went through, you know what I'm saying? And she, um, it, it was crazy because I brought a song to it. I wrote a song, then I wrote a song about that night called um, You Have My Word, which was to her saying, you know, that you, in, the mo in that moment, as long, as long as I'm holding your hand, you have my word. And then um, she almost died of viral meningitis in November, a month later. Oh my and God. She calls, her parents call me and say, hey, um, she, she's asking for you. I'm like, she's asking for me? And they're like, yeah. And she doesn't remember this. And I went to the hospital and was holding her hand by her bed until the doctor said I couldn't be there. And then um, flash forward, uh, I'm going out on tour with Three Doors Down. And I tell the bus driver, hey, um, here's, I forgot something at the grocery store while everybody's packing up. And I didn't. I raced to her house, knocked at her door, and said, we've been through this. You almost died, we've, you've been through this. We went through this together, we've been helping each other, we talk every morning. But I know, somebody's gonna come into your life, swoop, just, you know, swoop you off your feet, but that person has me to answer to now because we've been w through way too much together and there's something about us and now he has me to answer to. So just know that, you know, he's got your parents and now he's got me. And I left on tour. And then um, she ended up surprising me on the tour in the middle of it, came out and I'm like, whoa. And then at the end of it, I flew her out for the last um, two days on the tour. And it was the greatest day of my life. The bus driver drove through the snow and she gets off the shuttle bus in the snow, parked my bus out front and the, everybody's at the front of the bus at 7 a.m. watching and nobody videoed, <laughs> nobody videoed. And she said, I love you. 
And we've been together ever since. And that was October, I mean, February 10th. Um, so it's been five years February for us. And we've been together and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And it came out of something so awful. And, I, and how I deal with things is write about them. And I wrote this song What in that time that I was on the bus, I wrote two, three more songs. So she could see how I was feeling. And I could see, and she was writing poetry back to me. Mm. So I could see how she was feeling, like at least struggling with these things. And then I finally went for it and I wrote this song called Fallen For You Bad. And, um, and that was it. And uh, so it was a six song stretch between bringing One Day Someday to Fallen For You Bad and then you know us being together. So it's pretty insane. And we, there's so much more uh, to it. And, but yeah, it's pretty nuts. Well, I, I'm definitely looking forward to the rest of the story yeah. and to see what's next for you. Thanks, man. Hero's journey, I mean, truly, truly remarkable. I didn't know if you were gonna go into all that today. Man, I am so grateful that you gave me the entire story. You gave me the background. Everybody got a chance to hear that. What you did is truly, truly heroic, amazing. Thanks. Um, I'm sorry I talk so much, but <laughs> bro, like. That's what we were here for? Yeah. I wanted to hear your story. Man. I understand, but. Inspiring. I appreciate that. It means a lot. And um, your story is just as inspiring and, and you deserve to be in that seat. You are somebody who needs, to, people need to know your story and people need to know what you can and, and what, you, what you can do and then what you will do. And it's fun to watch that and to get to know you now and to see that and, and, and be able to witness the things that you've done. I mean, I know what you just told me you did in Washington and those kinds of things. You're going you're gonna to leave your mark. And that's what we're here to do. You know most, what I'm saying? Most definitely. That's what it's all about. Hero's journey, gritability. We're both looking to leave, leave a mark, leave a positive, lasting legacy uh, for all those difficult things that we've gone through and to get to the other side, ideally to inspire other people to act in the same way, to, to demonstrate that same courage. Uh, thank you for coming in, for thank sharing this Thank you for story. having me, man. Man, I'm, I'm grateful that we got to spend this time yeah. together and I'm looking forward to spending more time together outside of here. So it's been another incredible episode, Gritability, Power of Perseverance, Overcoming Seemingly Insurmountable Odds to Attain the Life of Your Dreams. Man, it's been a great episode. I'm your podcast host, Adam Clausen, with me, Brian Hopkins. Thanks man. for having me, man. It's coming around, it's coming around to me.